Hey folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Embellished Podcast, a podcast focused on product stories, product storytellers, interesting brand ambassadors, and any other person that happens to agree to join me. Um, whether you're a bourbon fan, a geek, a casual observer, or someone just floating through this channel, I hope you find it interesting. Now, if you got here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. Hopefully I can be found on any podcasting platform that exists. And if you can't find me on a platform, send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com and I'll try to get that taken care of. I also generally live stream the recording of these episodes on YouTube on Wednesday nights around 9.30 p.m. Central Time. You can find all of my links on Instagram at EmbellishPod or Twitter with the exact same handle. I have a website. It is www.embellishpod.com. It's also a place to pick up these links, episode details, and more. Today is Thursday, May the 19th, and if you can't tell, it is not 9.30 p.m. It's not Wednesday, and it's not 9.30 p.m., but that's okay. Um, we're going to be talking about Five Trail Whiskey with David Coors, and we have the, the pleasure of having him join, join us this afternoon. Um, I'm going to start with... I've tried a lot of new craft whiskey, commodity whiskey, whatever, uh, American single malts, Tennessee whiskey over the last few months, and nothing seems to quite taste like this, what you guys are offering. Um, it's reminiscent of all of those things, but uniquely its own. And last night on the fourth or fifth time that I've had an opportunity to try this, I passed it over to my wife to try, and she is not normally a huge whiskey fan. She'll drink just about anything, but she's not a huge whiskey fan. And she was like, hey, this is one that I really, really like. So I'm going to give you the platform opportunity to speak about, you know, what you guys are kind of uh, offering out into the marketplace right now, where you're heading to, and then we'll we'll move into some questions. Yeah, that's great, John. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be here and talk a little bit about it. And it is one of those where I'm glad to hear uh, you've enjoyed um, sipping on the whiskey. It uh, recently, we knew we had something pretty tasty, but uh, a few awards that we recently got helped validate what we were thinking. And we got a double gold at San Francisco World Spirits Competition, which was uh, – that was outstanding. And then uh, recently as well, we got um, platinum best in show uh, at the SIP Awards as well. So uh, there's continuing to be some of that validation of, of uh, people saying, yeah, this stuff is interesting. It's different. And I can I can get into the story around why it's a little bit different. Um, but the fact that people are enjoying it when they pick it up and uh, and can find it um, out in retail in about eight states right now, uh, follow us on Five Trail on Instagram and Facebook and people can find out some more. And we have some innovation coming down the pike as well that we can get into throughout this podcast uh, later this fall, um, later this year in the fall, that should be pretty fun for people. But uh, yeah, the, on, as far as that product profile that you're picking out, especially your wife saying, this is interesting. I, I can get into this. Um, I, I think it's a combination for me when I, when I drink something, I balance for me is the key word, right? I want it to Mm -hmm. They have some complexity, some depth, but but you don't want anything that's just super spicy. You don't want anything that's super hot on the alcohol. You don't want anything that's too sweet on the wheat. Um, and we have uh, four different components that I think really help balance it out. And the uniqueness of, while this isn't a bourbon, I know some feedback we get is, well, why not a bourbon? Well, it's 85% bourbon, but we have that single malt in there because uh, when we got into the whiskey game, I wanted to have um, an authentic story to it and include some single malt or some some grain that we make. We make barley malt here at the Golden Brewery, and uh, we sell that to brewers and distributors and distillers uh, across the state of Colorado. And we're able to get some hands on some barrels that had Coors malt in it. Um, and I wanted that to be a key component. So having that single malt from Colorado uh, was really important to us uh, being a key component. So 45% weeded bourbon uh, that's four years old from Indiana. We've got 35% four grain, uh, which comes from Bardstown Bourbon Company in Kentucky. 
15% Colorado single malt that's four years old, and then some 13-year-old Kentucky bourbon, 5% of the blend is that uh, to really round it out. And you can pick out each one of those components as you sip on the delicious whiskey. So I've I've often said, uh, you know, I, I understand why why not uh, bourbon to start with, or at least I think I do, is that, you know, bourbon is a, is a fast-growing marketplace, but um, some of the most interesting things that are happening in whiskey right now are not happening specifically in bourbon um, because you know, everybody's doing everything. Um, and, and it's interesting. I, I look in here, I've said, I think American single malt has probably one of the, the, the biggest growth patterns potentially in the, in the very near future. And you've got some Colorado single malt in here. Is there any future potential of having a, a, a five trail single malt coming out? You know, we've we've kicked around a lot of different ideas and haven't quite locked that in. So is there a hope one day we, we could get into that game? Yes. Um, is there currently an existing plan in the near term? Um, I could say no, uh, but it, it's you're definitely in something that we would love to do at some point in time. Yep. So and, you know, kind of in doing this research, you know, you have you have a pretty famous last name, uh, you know, pretty famous family. You, you guys are known for um, one thing uh, realistically right now. I don't want to say just one thing like, you know, but it's a pretty big thing. Uh, but Coors as a company uh, has appeared to have been, you know, significantly diversifying over the last 15 or 20 years for that matter. It, you know, before I started poking into it, I wasn't aware of like how many craft breweries you guys are involved in and all of those things. What? What specifically pulls you into whiskey? Because that is, you know, that's a much harder shift than saying, hey, you know, we make beer. Let's get some craft, you know, craft breweries under our belt or whatever. Yeah, it's a good question. And you said something that's funny um, that I always tell people that this journey started actually about 20 years ago. And I was in college and uh, definitely drinking plenty of beer, but had some friends drinking some whiskey. And so I'd try whiskey every now and then. And I was home for Christmas break and I'm, I'm driving through Golden with my dad and we're in a suburban and he's driving and I say, dad, why don't we make a, why don't we make a whiskey? And he didn't even look over at me and acknowledge, he said, we're good at one thing and that's beer. <laughs> and it, was, it was end of conversation. Um, and I just said, okay, yes, sir. And I, I wasn't uh, the rebel that I wish I would have been because I'd like to have some 20 year old whiskey right now. But um, it, that moment uh, genuinely stuck with me since then. And I always kind of wanted to get in that space, but um one wasn't the rebel and two didn't have the opportunity until a couple of years ago when we decided to venture beyond just beer and become a beverage company. And uh, I had the fortune of, of getting uh, the job to venture into some new spaces and one of those being spirits. And it was finally the time where I said, okay, finally I can do, I can do this whiskey thing. And, and obviously had to do a ton of research and understand why that made sense for us. And, um, and we landed on the opportunity to actually do it. So you said in here it was an idea that came up 20 years ago. Um, and, and yes, it would be nice to have some 20-year whiskey. Um, the, I'm, I'm quite sure you know where the, the whiskey market was in 2002, and, and, and I do too because that's also when I was in college. Um, do, do you think if, 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 if your dad had listened to you, say, yeah, let's go ahead. Let's go full force into whiskey um, with where the marketplace was. Do you think that your whiskey brand would have survived, you know, a period of time because you're like right before that whiskey boom starts to happen here in, in, in the United States. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I don't think um, diversification at that point in time was, was not on, on the radar. I mean, it, in, you know, the early two thousands, we had, you know, a, a small handful of brands, you know, Coors Banquet, Coors Light, Keystone, 
Killian's Blue Moon was just coming up um, and, uh, you know, a small handful of others. But it, it wasn't, you know, we had we were our eyes were set on that and focused on that and also had a consumer base where you had consumers that were beer drinkers and you had consumers that were spirits drinkers or whiskey drinkers and different ones that were gin drinkers. Today, if, if you go uh, to any friend's house or go to a party, you know, you're you're having some beers and maybe a glass of wine and then you have finish mm-hmm. the night with some whiskey um, in some instances. So I think we as is just uh, consumers, we've evolved our drinking habits. Exactly. Um, and kind of dovetailing off that just a little bit. My dad has you know home brewed for 25 or 30 years. And, you know, we've had this discussion a number of times because, you know, he's still a, a big fan of, you know, major level breweries, you know, the, the, the Coors and in the, in the Millers and the, 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 the Budweiser's of the world, because he's always said it's, it's way tougher to make the exact same flavor of beer over and over and over again for thousands of gallons than it is to make one good batch of homebrew because, you know, it, you're not trying to compare it from one to the other because th- there's a batching process and some of that, also a lot of that also occurs in whiskey um do you think that that puts you guys kind of at a um at an advantage when you start looking at your skill set of being able to try to meld flavors and then you introduce into this thing of you know blending whiskeys that have been aged in barrels because you know what comes out of the bar- what comes out of the the still and then goes into the barrel two barrels side by side don't taste the same after five, seven, eight, ten 10 years or whatever, but being able to like figure out how your flavor profile melds, you think that your background in, in doing this type of work benefits? Yeah, probably a couple of things. I mean, that uh, to begin with the fact that whiskey is, is effectively beer that's then distilled down. So uh, we've got the front end of that process figured out and, and dialed in pretty well. It, it certainly is. Um, we're learning. We're, eight, nine months into this journey. And uh, I've had a ton of support internally with our quality team, supply chain team. And um, it is it is fun to see people be passionate about it internally and want to help out um, just out of sheer passion. And it is, you know, we're not, we're, we are, you know, we're brewing Coors Light every day and we want that to taste identical and exactly the same every time. And Five Trail, for instance, is going to be slightly different each year. Um, that 5% that's 13-year-old Kentucky, uh, we can't find any more of that. We, right. We're going to put something we call it our special guest. We're going to put a different special guest into it next year. Well, actually, this July will be batch number two we'll be packaging. And um, and it'll be, I, I want it to stay within the fairway of the flavor profile, but slightly different. And so it's we just have to put a different hat on and, and thinking cap when we, when we assess what we're doing in this uh, space. So you said batch two in, in, in July and you're, you're nine months into this process. Is that sort of the pattern you're looking for is a batch a year, two batches a year? Yeah, the goal is a batch a year. Um, mm-hmm. And then we're going to innovate off of just the core skew. So the core skew will be similar like I just described. And then we've got some fun stuff coming this fall. I mean, we're exploring everything from, you know, barrel strength to cast finish. Uh, we've, we do actually have some of batch two sitting on Imperial Porter barrels uh, from our, one of our craft brewers here in Golden called AC Golden Brewing Company. And uh, and so that'll be pretty tasty. We want to wait until hopefully it's done in time for the holidays, but if it doesn't taste right, we won't package it and release it. Um, and then even maybe some, some older stuff that's a similar blend, but older stuff. So we've got a fun lineup coming later this year. Yeah. So you, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of questions cause you're nailing all of the things that I had kind of built up here is, you know, I've got 
there, there's a particular Instagram account I follow that that all it is, I think it's uh, Coming Whiskey, and all it is is TTB label approvals. And so I saw whenever y'all's barrel proof TTB label, TTB label approval comes through, right? And so I'm like, oh, you know, that's exciting, like a barrel proof version of it. And that this is, I'm not going to lie, I'm going to read the question exactly as I wrote it. Uh, TTB label approvals for the barrel proof makes bourbon geeks happy, but what about an imperial porter finish? No that is way. literally the question I wrote out because, <laughs> you know, I look at like, what do you guys have as far as beer? Because there's been a ton of, of whiskey companies that have done stout, you know, the, that that's, that's a pretty common thing. And I'm very much the, the person that I want. I enjoy light beer like anybody else, but if I am, you know, out having a nice dinner and I want something that is dark and bitter and like black coffee, not, you know, not quite that bad, but I, you know, I want something with some heft and, Stouts and porters are where I usually end up, but I haven't seen anybody in the American whiskey marketplace do an imperial porter, right? Like I've said, I think Scotch, some of the some of the Scotch uh, folks are doing that. Um, so I guess maybe what I can try to do is pivot to like what made you want to run down the path of imperial porter. Yeah, I mean, just seeing plenty of uh, cast finishing going on in in whiskey and intrigued by that, and then the fact that. Uh, you know, a couple of jobs ago, I ran our brewery, AC Golden, uh, which is mostly known for its Colorado native beer, uh, which is a beer made in Colorado, only sold in Colorado with all Colorado ingredients. And we have an annual release in January that's our Imperial Porter, runs at 9% ABV. And, uh, you know, we decant those barrels and and then they they disappear. And I said, well, let's put those to use. And so luckily we, we had some, we aged that porter from everywhere from one to three years, um, mm-hmm. sometimes four years. And so we took those barrels, about 20 of them, and shipped them to Bardstown and said, put batch two in these things, and they did. So it's uh, that, that's a riot that that was kind of uh, what you had, <laughs> had hoped for. And it, it, literally, I, if I run further down the question, it's like, you know, Coors is a large umbrella company, but you have this AC Golden Brewing that is in here, and you have that opportunity. Like, that's that's the question. You just took it away from me, man. You just <laughs> took it away from me. Um, so you, you have a relationship with Bardstown Bourbon Company. How, how does that come into fruition? Yeah, so it when I started venturing into how we want to get into whiskey, um, w- went down a number of different routes and was just for me it was I wasn't a whiskey geek. Um, I was just a casual consumer and had some friends that were really into it and and started drinking whiskey with them and getting some knowledge from them. And then COVID hit and I had a bunch of whiskeys that I was buying and trying different stuff. And literally in the kitchen counter, which I think a lot of people probably did during COVID, mm-hmm. killing some time and. I was filling up the table with plastic cups of little samples of stuff and driving my wife crazy. <laughs> so, uh, and then someone mentioned, well, blending. So then I started blending stuff and trying different blends and different proofs. And um, one of my colleagues knew that we were kind of looking in the space. He said, oh, you got to call an old colleague of ours that used to work um, in our Chicago office. And uh, so he was in town in Denver um, in the summer of 2020. And we went out for a cheeseburger and he said, just come out to Bardstown. Um, sit down we can we can take care of you we can do everything um any support you need and uh, i said no i've got this under control and then i thought about it you know for a few weeks i called him back i said okay i've got a blend identified that i think i really like and it tastes well tastes uh pretty good and we went out there with one of our brewmasters um and my boss as well and we we blended whiskey for two days with bardstown and landed on what is in the bottle right now in batch number one and uh so they're just a great team, super knowledgeable, um, helping us get some barrels, um, making some product for us and 
uh, bottling for us. Yeah, I'm a and and I'm one hundred percent on board. I'm a huge uh, Bartown Bourbon Company fan. Um, what they're doing as far as their distillate and what they're doing as far as their barrel aging, both are you know interesting. Uh, one of the best whiskeys that I had in 2021 was specifically their um, Bartown Bourbon Company Ferran finish, the the one that mm-hmm. they did the, the the cognac finished whiskey. Yeah. They're I think that's where they shine. And so it makes a ton of sense that that's, that's who you're sending your, your uh, barrel aging ideas to, because they, they seem to be kind of carving out that marketplace. Yeah. Um, so in my research, I come across this uh, goose cross winery, right? So is that, is that a family member that owns goose, goose cross? Is that correct? It is my sister, Christy and her okay. husband. So, Dave. so is there any, is there any opportunity to get some wine barrels and do some <laughs> wine finishing and whiskey? Uh, it, it has crossed my mind and um, we may have to get down uh, into that at some point in time down this journey. If she, if she'd be open to it, but if she'd be, well, I mean, why wouldn't she be like, if, well, maybe, maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe that's a family problem that I don't need to ask any <laughs> questions about, but um, sorry. One of my lights is dying. This is fun. Um, so you guys are getting into uh, a, a market segment called American blend whiskey. And historically, that has been almost a dirty word in the whiskey industry uh, for for a long time. And I, I don't think this it's is quite right. I mean, it blended whiskey has a very rich history in the rest of the world. Um, do you think that is a is a is a challenge or an opportunity for Five Trail specifically, um, kind of getting into this blended American whiskey marketplace? It's a, it's a great question. I think the answer is both, to be honest. Um, when we started developing, you know, this idea, there were plenty of people that said, nope, it needs to be a bourbon, needs to be a bourbon. But I said, I really want to ensure that we have some of our ingredients into this product mm-hmm. to, to make the story sync up. And to have our malt in it was really important for us. And uh, then we proof it down with Rocky Mountain Water from the brewery in Golden. And so we were, as part of it was forced, but... Um, said I really wanted that single malt in there. And, and I think the opportunity is that that category has got so much opportunity for creativity. And I certainly, I think you're insinuating it, that there's, there's some opportunity for distillers to kind of play in this space and get super creative um, coming out with new types of products. And we're, we're not one of the big guys in this category. We obviously are on the beer side, but in the whiskey side, we're not someone that can come in and take a, a category by storm, nor do we, you know, expect ourselves to, but hopefully um, we're playing in kind of a new space that intrigues people and, and drives some creativity in the, in, in the category. Yeah. And it, yeah, there's no, there's no insult in my mind to blended American whiskey or any type of blended whiskey for that matter. It's just been, you know, in, in, in Scotland, the, the blender is sort of the king there the master the master blender is the king the distiller creates the thing they put it in the barrel and then 30 years later they start you know blend it together to make the supreme thing and i don't know if it's just the contrarian nature of those of us in the united states like we're not that we're you know we're interested in not blending we want you know single barrels or all of these things but you know the the bourbon boom did exactly what it was supposed to do, and it consumed a significant quantity of the ultra aged whiskey. I mean, you even mentioned that that thirteen year whiskey that you want to blend in here, you can't get any more of it. And blending is going to have to be the future. We're starting to get to the point to where people don't mind paying a premium for a blending of four or five different relatively young whiskeys if it's going to create 
an amazing profile. We're not going to be, you know, ageist anymore whenever it comes down to it. And so, um, yes, I, th I think there's a ton of space in the market for you guys to kind of expand into it. And exactly that for experimentation, you know, um, Bergen, bourbon has a whole lot of uh, guardrails on it of what you can and cannot do and still be called bourbon. Um, American Single Malt is working on defining their category, which could put some guardrails on what they're doing. But blended whiskey is is not necessarily there. Like you get an opportunity to, to do some some fun things. Um, so yeah, yeah we're, sure. I think we're. So, do you draw any correlation? So it's I guess is this your Maker's Forty Six, right? You know, like the, <laughs> the 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 Samuels family. You know, he gets down the road. And he's like, I want to do something that's my own. And Maker's Mark is Maker's Mark. You know, and Coors is Coors. Like it's a family name. But this is a hard left turn for a lot of even your dad. It was a hard left turn for him twenty years ago. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's interesting, and and you know we're we're a large company and, and uh, the Molson family is very involved in the business. We have the line and Kugel families involved in the business. You know, uh, we have craft breweries, as you mentioned earlier, where the founders are still engaged and involved. Um, so I like to think of us as kind of a collection of family uh, businesses to a certain extent. Uh, and each, I, I have huge shoes to fill. My brother's uh, uh, works in the business as well and, and is on the brewing side of things. And, um, you know, and when you look at my great uncle, Bill, who invented the two piece aluminum can, um, my dad, who took this business from, you know, eight states to a global business and and the current leaders in the company that continue to steward the business and, and grow it. It's uh, it, it it wasn't intended to be a mark um, on on a huge stable. We just want to play in this space. We want to play in different beverage categories and put good products out in the marketplace and let the uh, consumers and fans decide what what they like to drink. Um, but it's it's fun to have something that uh, that I can say contributing to the broader business. And and gosh, I've just gotten so excited about the whiskey category, the more I've learned about it. And I tell people, you know, that that craft beer drinker that's been on the journey um, from Pilsner's to Hellas's to IPA's to double IPA's to Stout's, you know, the whole journey and and i think they're starting to tip into the whiskey category and, and doing what i've done is a whole new world of education opens up mm -hmm. and exploration and um so for me i'm i'm kind of the perpetual learner love to learn about new things and this is one that you can go deep into and there's so many different elements to it i, I think you're spot on and I've, I've i've said this a number of times on other episodes where i've talked to other people you know, the, I don't think that the the Amer North American whiskey boom happens without the North American craft beer boom, right? Yeah. Um, those things correlate to each other, but craft beer and being more concerned about what food you eat, where it comes from, you know, having a deeper attachment, both of those things kind of hit at the same time. And as those people matured and changed in their purchasing habits, it just, it was a natural iteration because uh, what I, the the pattern I remember happening was it was wine, then it was craft beer, then it became food, then it became whiskey. And um, where it goes next, I don't know, but I know there's at least if I, if if we look at the you know the, the arc of of craft beer, we've got another ten to fifteen years of this behavior within whiskey specifically. Yeah, I can't argue with that. So you're eight to nine months in. Um, do you ever you ever wake up in the morning and think? I shouldn't have done this or do you wake up and think, man, I made a smart decision or both. I wake up and I think 
oh my gosh, we're either going to have way too much whiskey or not enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and I really, you know, I get tons of my colleagues um, asking about what the plans are and where it's going. And, and our Canadian business unit is interested in it or our European business unit is interested in it. Um, and so it's more of, I feel like we're at the start of a wild ride and uh, I hope we've got enough whiskey to, to appease everyone that wants to enjoy it. Um, and I, I don't know what direction it's going to go in, but it's, it is, I do wake up and as more and more I tell the story and see people's reaction, I get excited by the excitement and the reactions that um, I just, I don't know. I don't, I don't, we didn't come into this with, with expectations. You know, we, mm-hmm. we wanted to participate in a thoughtful way. We wanted, obviously want to be successful, but um, I think it was, we know nothing about this space and uh, we're going to surround ourselves by good people um, like Bardstown and Peggy No Stevens has, has helped us out along the journey um, and a number of different people. And it's just been great to, you, you, you probably maybe know this on the craft beer side of things. I mean, in Colorado, we've got a ton of craft breweries. Our brewers uh, in Golden have helped out, you know, their neighboring craft breweries left and right when they needed help. Uh, a lot of our employees have gone and started up their own breweries. And when you go on the production side, there's there's a you know a great um, collaboration between operators. When you go more on the sales and marketing side, it can it can come off as a little bit more combative, uh, right? But but th- there's that element that I think is really cool to see um, people willing to help out, um, share th- some thoughts and and whatnot, and uh, it's been fun. Yeah, I've always looked at it as the the salespeople are competitive by nature because they're all trying to compete for the same dollar. Yeah. But the creators, you know, whenever you're looking at beer, when you're looking at whiskey, when you're looking at any spirit for that matter, um, they're slightly a bit more artistic in their their nature, and so that that you know familial relationship, helping each other out, there, there's there's a lot different level of of competition that exists. It's not. Um, it almost feels like they want other people to exist because that gives them a thing to compete against. Right. You know, like salespeople, I want all the dollars artists want someone healthy to compete with so they can make themselves better. So they can create, kind of create a challenge. And that exists in whiskey as well. I mean, you think about the fact that heaven Hill doesn't exist. If people didn't give them barrels, whenever their um, Rick house is burned down, right? right. Like they had nothing. And this is a, a common thread that exists in whiskey. So I don't know. It, it's something about these, these, creative folks um you you mentioned your canadian business unit is you know interested in this as well Uh, so that immediately brings the question around like are are we we talking about a rye maybe in the future right yeah um i mean that i can't get in details of what the new product development looks like but honestly Mm -hmm. for when i mentioned canada it's taken this five trail blend or batch number two up north of the border and and, um letting Mm -hmm. them see how it can uh, play in that marketplace so uh, it's more that kind of focus, but, um, like I said, we're early on this journey. We don't know what we have. We also, I got, you know, our CEO saying, make sure this thing works before you come asking for more. Right. <laughs> Be lightheartedly. We have a great relationship. And so, um, I think we're just trying to prove that we, we can participate in the category and then where it goes to from there is, is a good question. All right. Um, so you've got this, you've got this four, four whiskey blend that you're creating here. And you said that that fourth slot kind of becomes the, the, the guest slot, so to speak. Right. Um, do you have any, and I'm trying to ask the questions without like being, you know, like what's your marketing strategy for someone else to come along and steal or whatever. <laughs> um, 
do you think that ever stops being a guest slot and you're like, all right, now we have this thing is always going to live here. Or do you want to, or do you perceive that that's what you want to keep that seat open always? Yeah. It, I, honestly, I don't know the answer to that. I, I do know for uh, batch number two, we've, you know, we've selected a different um, uh, four slot um, bourbon that's coming into that. And beyond that, I think it'll evolve each year based on what's available on the open marketplace. We're not laying down any new make for that special guest slot. At this point in time, um, I think it's kind of fun. We 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 sat down. Gosh, I'm trying to remember when we sat down. I think it was in January or February, and we blended batch number two, and we were pretty excited about where we landed. And then I just kind of sat on that for a while, tasted it, and was like, I think we can do a little bit better. So went out to Bardstown and we played around with some other things, and new stuff was available at that point in time, and we found something that we really liked in the blend. So. Um, I, I think that leaves kind of a, a fun window open to play around with different things and, and what that could become um, is a little bit of an open window. So are you, you mentioned, you know, you're, you're not laying down any new make to put that slot. Are you laying down any new make? Is this, is this a, a thing that you're trying to do or? Yeah, possibly. Okay. So you've got some you got some awards you, you've racked up some awards pretty early on. I mean, you're nine months into this journey and you've already picked up a few awards. Um, do, does that give you a high degree of validation that what you're doing is meaningful, or do, does that validation come from consumers, or is it a blend of both? Like you know, in my business, we're always trying to figure out like how do we validate that we're doing the right thing on any given day, right? And that can kind of come in a lot of different forms. Yeah, I think it's a great validator and, and confidence builder for our distributors and retailers um, that they can take the product knowing that it's quality. But at the end of the day, it's where that consumer takes his dollars and, and him or her and where they want to spend them is really that's the that's the true tale of uh, what a product is doing and what its potential is. So um, sales is always, always key. You don't have a business. You can't sell product, um, but it's so great to have it validated from a quality and a flavor profile perspective. So it, it gives everyone a little bit of confidence. Okay. We're first one out of the gate. Um, not a bad start. The bar set actually pretty high now based, based on some of those awards. And uh, we'll, we got to ensure that we continue to deliver on that high bar that's been set. So, um, you know, we're living in a, in a, I don't even want to say post COVID world, but post pandemic world, um, beer is currently dealing with can shortages and whiskey is dealing with glass shortages. And you've got a really attractive package that you've kind of put together as far as the, the glass the label, all of that. Um, do, do you foresee any need that you're going to have to change packaging because you don't have access to these bottle shapes or, or label sizes or any of that coming along the way? Oh gosh. You'd like to say, I don't, <laughs> I don't foresee any challenges, but every week there's something else that pops up. So, uh, right now we feel pretty good about it, but um, we live in a really challenging time for um, manufacturers, large and small, uh, whether a craft distiller or, or you know, Beam Centauri, there's there's challenges out there um, or on the beer side. So I don't envy any business um, operating in this environment, no matter what category you're in or what you do. And, and even us just as human beings uh, trying to trying to live our lives um, this the last few years have, have been challenging for everybody. 
you would, you know, you, I think you would, you would like to think that, you know, being the arm of being an arm of a significantly large company can kind of insulate you from some of that. But it sounds like, um, you're, you're almost a startup within a conglomerate at this point. And, um, so you, you, you don't necessarily have that degree of, you've got the, the degree of trust to kind of jump out here and try a thing, but not necessarily the, we're going to continue to foot the bill if it's, if it's not a successful thing. So what does, what does the horizon look like to say we've been successful over this two year period? Is it a, uh, entering more markets? Is it a volume of sales? Is how are you getting to your success metric? Well, I, I think like any, any business, or I should say most there, there are some, um, people that have uh, deep pockets and, and they've got a lot of patience and whatnot, <laughs> but I would say most 95% of startups or whatnot have a, have a business case and they've got a business case that they want to deliver on because that's what keeps the lights on. And uh, there's no free rides, uh, even in a big uh, corporation like ourselves uh, that you've got to deliver on a business case. So uh, that's, that's one measure of success. I think um maintained interest and excitement behind the brand, retailers engagement, distributor engagement, all those elements and consumers asking us for more, asking us for different things. Um, ideas like yourself, kicking kicking out some ideas to us and how we can deliver on those and keep people engaged and interested and, and intrigued in the brand um, are all important. So what did the business case look like? I mean, if you can share that, like so you, you had this idea 20 years ago and then it bubbled back up again a handful of years ago, like, you know, how do you approach this, you know, beer, this monolithic beer entity and say, we're going to do whiskey now? Like, how, how do you get there? Yeah, it, it's it's just saying, OK, you got a large category that's growing um, consumer engagements. It's stealing share from beer in some instances. And if if we want to go with those consumers that are graduating out of beer, we, we need to participate in those categories. So so that's it. I, I can't get in the details of, of the exact business case as much right. as I like to, but uh, it's, it's yeah, fun. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm not asking you to share the business case so someone else can be like, let me copy that as well, you know. And that's that's the thing we that I always risk, you know. I, 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 the only reason I do this is to have conversations with people that are passionate about the work that they're doing, and a lot of the times that ends up being a distiller or a brand ambassador or somebody, and they know things that they can't share, and I'm. I'm trying to ask in the most respectful way without being like, Hey, give me all your trade secrets. So the rest of the world can know it. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's not necessarily the best way to go about it. Um, is go ahead. You, did you have something? Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I appreciate that, but I think anyone will tell you, you can have the same idea or the best idea. It comes down to education. It comes down, I mean, mm -hmm. ed execution, it comes down right. to the people engaged and involved. And um, so there's a ton of, uh, luck that comes into anyone's success. I'm not going to um, ignore that fact as well. Right. Uh, so there's, there's so many different factors. You could, you could have two different groups with the same business plan and same ideas, and it could be executed two different ways. So. Absolutely. Um, so this is, you know, this is explicitly says Coors whiskey company on here. Is this a part of the Molson Coors or is this just, you're, you're on your own now? Like, are you, are you held at arm's length? Are you, uh, no, it's 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 part of Molson Coors. It's it's a, a brand like any of our other uh, beer brands um, that just sits within the the entity of Molson Coors. All right. So, what is the what is the career path of David look like going from college student twenty years ago to burgeoning whiskey baron? Well, we, we've got a family rule we have to work outside of the business for at least two years. So, uh, out of college, uh, my first job actually was in West Virginia working in oil and gas. Uh, spent four years 
in West Virginia. Um, should have made more trips over to the bourbon trail at that point in time, but, but didn't. <laughs> it largely didn't exist then. You got to think like 20 years ago, Maker's Mark was about the only person that was doing any degree of touring. Everybody else, if you showed up at a distillery in the mid 2000s and said, hey, I'd like to tour, they'd say, what for? <laughs> well, that's good. Now I don't feel so bad. And you're, it's yeah. a good it's a good point. But. I, I think because I grew up, you know, I'm, I'm, I live in Kentucky. I've lived in Kentucky my entire life. And so, you know, when we start talking, thinking about all of the whiskeys that were on the shelf 20 years ago that you can't find anywhere anymore. Like I walked by those in college to go buy, you know, inexpensive white label bean because that's what we were drinking. Like there's things that I could honestly retire if I still had. So I understand that like feeling like missing out, but I interrupted yeah. you. So you, you were working, uh, in West Virginia, of, of all places, in, in gas and oil. Yeah, yeah, wonderful experience there. I uh, loved every minute, worked my butt off, and um, and then went to business school at Northwestern and then bounced around uh, uh, Molson Coors, worked at a distributorship for a little bit, worked in marketing, launched and ran our business in Australia, um, which was a wonderful experience, and, um, and then worked in our global craft uh, group and some of the strategy work there. And um, so been able to play around in a lot of different areas of the business. And I always tell people the the best learnings are the failures. Um, as much as none of us want to fail, there's certainly some blemishes on everyone's career. And, and I had a few of those as well. Uh, but you learn from those and, and that's uh, how you avoid mistakes in the future. I've always learned far more from failure than I have from success, because when you, when you do something successfully, you learned one way to be successful. When, when you do something and you fail at it, you learn a way to fail. And if you keep going, then you eventually find a way to succeed. And so you, there's, there's a series of different learnings that kind of occur there. Uh, well, you said you, at one point you were, you were working in Australia. Correct, yeah. 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 In 2014, oh, we launched uh, Siri on my computer, decided it wanted to try to cut in on me. And so I couldn't <laughs> hear anything you said. Um, so there's a, you know, there, there's a movement in Australia as well that they're, they're, they're pushing on, on Australian single malts. Like that, that's a big thing down there. Yeah. Um, is that a, are you aware of Australian single malts? Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I watched, gosh, it was a documentary or something. And there's some, some guy was making single malt and using manure to as, mm -hmm. as fuel for his, uh, uh, for his kettle or something. Like, yeah, it, that, that, I think that's a sheep dung. That's right. Exactly. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I know you're talking about that. I think it's called Floki is, is that right. particular one. Yeah. Down Tasmania. That one may be in New Zealand. I don't know if that's in, in Australia yeah. proper. I think it's in New Zealand, but yeah, so they're doing some fun stuff there. There's some brands that are kind of entering the North American marketplace with some really good stuff and they're doing a lot of uh, wine finishes. So, you know, maybe there's another single malt you can kind of toss in that gives you some hey, backstory. You. <laughs> um, so many new brands are really interested in trying to tie themselves to some historical story, some, you know, long lost recipe that has been picked up, you know, did you guys explore that or did you just look at it and say, Nope, that's Hoke and we're going to stick with what we're doing. Like how'd you create the, the, the branding of this? Yeah. I mean, we, we never made anything. Well, we made beer. We made actually Coors made a sparkling water back in the day. Probably I think it was in the eighties, maybe the early nineties. Um, and, uh, we stopped selling that um, after several years. Uh, outside of beer, that was that was all we made for what will be 150 years. Actually, next year in 2023, it'll be our 150th anniversary. Um, and so, we didn't have an old recipe, um, but we have been making malt for 70 plus years, and we have one of North America's largest malting facilities on site here in Golden, and um, we have an amazing 
group of barley growers across the, the high plains that we source our barley from, uh, an extremely talented group of maltsters here in Golden. And so that was, for me, that was important to have, like you said, it's, people want a good story. One, they want to be entertained. And two, they want to know that it's a lot of thought has been put into it, a lot of passion. And, um, you know, we could have sourced whiskey, created a cool label and slapped it on and sold it. Um, and some people are doing great job with that and putting amazing blends out there and, and or selecting amazing barrels. And uh, that's certainly one way in. And and we just felt like we needed because of a, being a brewer, we felt like we'd have some scrutiny against us. And we wanted to be sure that uh, we did in a way that people um, uh, would respect us. So you, you, you also mentioned, you know, kind of regretting that you didn't jump over the bourbon trail, even though it didn't exist yet. <laughs> and, you know, like uh, whiskey tourism is like a big thing now, you know, specifically in Kentucky. We're talking about a billion dollar industry. Um, are you guys looking to do that eventually have a have a place to visit a distillery, so to speak, experience or, um, you know, a, a place to kind of this is the home of five trail. It's certainly a dream. Um whether it comes to fruition or not is, is still to be determined based on, on how five trail, um, performs. So, uh, I, I, I always, you know, it's important to have a place for people to come and experience you and explore, uh, what your brand is about. Um, we have, you know, a wonderful brewery tour here in golden. Uh, we can't sell our, our whiskey here cause it's not manufactured on site. Um, but it's, it's, yeah, it certainly would be a nice element to have for us had a question and I lost it now That's right. um, having a, having a distillery experience on site is, you know, kind of a, a fun thing. Oh, five trail. So how, how do we get to the name of five trail? Like where, where does this come from? Yeah, well, it, I mean, it's anyone that's created a new product um, knows that naming something's extremely challenging these days because everything is trademarked and protected and um, it's, it's not an easy process. So you get, you get really excited about a name and then you go to the lawyers and they say, yep, that's already taken. And you got to go back to the drawing board. Uh, five trail is actually one that I just, I couldn't wrap my head around. I didn't, didn't love it at first. And um, it slowly kind of grew on us, but it, it came out of kind of the idea of I'm um, part of the fifth generation of the course family. So five is a nod to the five generations and, and trail is tied to trailblazing. Um, and, everyone always asks why not trails because five is plural <laughs> and, and it wasn't about five trails converging together. It's really, you know, we're on, we're on one trail and, and this mm -hmm. is just the fifth generation of that trail that we're on. Um, uh, but it is probably the number one thing that people say, why not the S or they call it five trails. And, and I try not to get too, uh, too frustrated with that. My dog is probably going to start barking. So I apologize if you hear that in the background. Um, it, yes, naming things is hard. So uh, I work with a lot of software engineers and they regularly will kind of make this joke is, you know, like the toughest thing to do in software engineering is name things. You know, <laughs> just like where do you come up with it? How do you know it's not going to be reusable? Like all of those uh, sort sort of different things. Um, well, I think I've ran out of questions at this point and we've got about 13 more minutes. So is there anything that you want to talk about that I didn't bring up through the course of this conversation? I think we, we covered a lot of the, you know, key elements. Um, I think it's just, it's fun to have people interested in, in listening to the story. Um, excited to try it. I, I, I did mention earlier, we're in eight states. I didn't mention which states those are. So Nevada, Colorado, um, Kentucky, Georgia, Wisconsin, 
and New York. Um, I think I got all of them. And uh, and then more states to come throughout the year. We're certainly looking at expansion to maybe a half dozen or more um, new states over the next several months. And uh, you can find out our product locators on our website at uh, fivetrail.com. Um, visit us. Please follow us on Instagram and, and Facebook so we can keep you posted on some of the new innovation that we'll be launching later this year. And, um, you know, we're slowly running out of batch number one. So get your hands on it while you can. Uh, I'm starting to stock up because it's like your first child. <laughs> you just love yep. it. It's special. Um, yep. that, that bar is set high, like I said, and, and when it's gone, it's gone. But um, yeah, we're, we're, we're having a blast with this and really appreciate you taking the time to listen to the story. Oh, no problem. And I, so I did, uh, based off of that, I had one last question. Sure. So are there any places where people will get an opportunity to see you or any brand representatives? Are you guys doing any festivals? You doing any, you know, on location stuff, you know, anytime in the next, you know, few months? Yeah, we'll, we'll share that stuff on, on our social media handles. Um, I don't have that list in front of me. Um, I, I have been traveling around to visit all of our new markets and, and talk to retailers and I've done some bottle signings in some places. Um, so, I'll be bouncing around here and there and, and we'll keep people posted on, on where that's going to be um, and look forward to meet some of some of these folks that are listening out there in the marketplace. Awesome. So thanks for joining me. I'm going to put you in the green room, do my wrap up here and um, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm always um, super excited when people agree to talk to me because, you know, I don't have as big a platform as some of my friends that are hopping in the chat right now. But um, this is the main reason I do it is I have the opportunity to talk to people that are passionate about building a, a brand, building a, a reputation and making something of quality. So I said, thank you so much for for you know hopping on here tonight. So we just had David. David gave us a whole lot of really fun and interesting information about Five Trail specifically. Hop out there. Go follow him on Instagram. So that way you can keep up with anything that they're going to be doing in the marketplace. If they're going to be in a place where you have an opportunity to go talk with them, you can, you can really kind of get a sense of the, the genuine attachment to the, the work that they're doing. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Embellish Podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave me a review on whatever platform that you're consuming this on and leave a comment if possible. You can hit me up on social media at Twitter or Instagram using EmbellishPod and give me a follow. You can keep up with what's going on here. I can be found at www.embellishpod.com with all of my links, accounts, contact details, all of that stuff. I'll be back again next week with another new offering for, for you. So until then, thanks for hanging out.